I would say, or the worldview, um, which is how kind of I, ter- I term it now, um, is those pillars of faith. And if you look, the Muslims are all agreed on the pillars of faith. They might disagree about some of the details of it and how they, they understand it, but those pillars of faith are firmly accepted. So if you look at the baseline, that is it. So a person who believes in these articles of faith is a believer. And yet we go back to the earlier discussion about the woman who does all of those things and harms her neighbor, or this chap who stopped you on the road and asked about his brother defrauding his, his own parent. Yeah, does that make him a kafir? Does no, that make him a, a, we're, not, a we're not having that discussion. Yeah, so therefore... We're not having that discussion. Can, we can have that discussion. It's a theoretical discussion. <laughs> now, be here, <laughs> yeah. here, does it negate the Islam completely? Assalamu alaikum and welcome to today's unscripted uh, episode where we have a nice casual conversation with some very interesting people. We have two very special guests, uh, none other than uh, Faisi Al Sheikh, Sheikh Shakur Rahman, who's the uh, Sheikh. You're, you're a bit of a, mashallah, a master of all trades. So you're, you're, you're in. Uh, come on, come on. <laughs> this is wrong. You're, uh, you're part of Sabir. You're head of Tarbiya, right? Head of Tarbiya. No, get it right. Islamic governance at Sabil and lead Murabi. That's it. Those two things, nothing else. Islamic governance at Sabil and the Murabi. Lead Murabi, yeah. Lead Murabi, mashallah. Uh, which means parent as well. Person of a parent of a six. Liberal of Tarbiya. Mashallah. Yeah, six. You didn't know? I stopped counting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mashallah, it's a good idea. <laughs> mashallah. And we have, of course, uh, uh, Usman Qureshi. He's uh, famously known as a community leader in uh, the Norbury area. And uh, I won't say that you asked him, Krish's brother. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's uh, obviously, he's, he's, he's graced us with his presence a few times. He was my head teacher at one point. Mashallah. Yeah, yeah. nice to work for him. Mashallah. We, we, we had um, a great time, I think. Mashallah. We, Mashallah. I loved that. That was one of my favorite jobs. Alhamdulillah. Mashallah. Yeah, yeah. Also, man, just let me do whatever I wanted. Mashallah. I don't think I have much choice. <laughs> this, <laughs> this before or after Trojan Horse? Oh, it's well years, before. Years well before. before. Years before Trojan anyway, Horse. we wanted to talk about uh, Tarbiya. Um, this is something that, you know, there's a new Sabil uh, cycle that's, that's uh, uh, you know, uh, open up for in, intakes. And we want to, I'm always encouraging as many people as possible to uh, join Sabil or have some kind of Tarbiya kind of uh, system in their life. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Osman, you, you're, Probably a, can be described as an educationalist by background. Been a head teacher. He's um, probably at school at one point as well himself as a student. Uh, Sheikh Shakur. No, I'm just trying to imagine that. Be. Osman at school. It's really funny because, you know, kids always in school, they, they, they look at teachers as though they've never been children. So when you tell them that, you know, stories about when you were a kid, they go, really? They go, 
Yes, we were small once. <laughs> then you grow older. But it's like they, they have this impression that we come out fully formed. MashaAllah. <laughs> you say, only Adam salam. <laughs> After that, no, it didn't happen again. Yeah, see, Islamic studies wasn't on point there. <laughs> <laughs> that was better. was ahead of Islamic studies then. It wasn't me. I was I was teaching English, I think, at the time. You were, that's right. Yeah. 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 I think Ashraf was. <laughs> Sheikh Ashraf was at one point. At one point. I think but he wasn't there at the same time I was. No. Ashraf the no, one who wasn't. refused to come on this podcast. Uh, because he's... I wonder why. Mm. Really? Oh. Anyway. That'd be <laughs> quite a quite a you know a reunion. MashaAllah, it yeah. would have been. It yeah. would have been. So it, it, first of all. <laughs> Tarbiya, is education a good uh, translation of it? Definitely not, okay? Um, especially with the modern concept of uh, education. You know, what we know, you know, if I say to my kids, education, and most kids, they think about school, isn't it? The teacher walks in, they have a particular subject, curriculum, set of topics they have to go through. And that subject or those facts or whatever you want to call them learning objectives yeah that's all they want to impart on the the child tarbiya in the islamic sense if you think of muradifat uh, for tarbiya synonyms, synonyms for tarbiya you'll you'll come up with things like islah um so something that corrects and refines the human being and islamically it's nothing other than taking the human being from wherever they are to the highest level that that human being can be. And yani, if you look at the Islamic model, what did the Prophet ﷺ say? Yani, the reason why he was sent, Okay, so the meaning of akhlaq here in its most comprehensive form. So you have your akhlaq with Allah and then you have your akhlaq with everyone else. What, how would you translate akhlaq as behavior? Your, your interactions with everyone else. Your interactions with Allah, your interactions with everyone else. And then you have the specifics of interactions with any parents, um, people, your peers, your extended family, your family, etc. So you have all of this. And you know, when you look at the sharia in totality, that's exactly what it's doing. It's refining the human being from all angles, internally and externally. So how could that be what we see and what is termed now as education? You know, it, there might have been in the past somewhere this notion of tarbiya that they used to refer to as education. There might have been, I, I don't know. But it's human beings, development of human beings. And whenever revelation was at the core of that development, you're going to find more of that, you know, how to be a good human being. Tomorrow, what do you think? Education? I think... I, <clears throat> well, I mean, I've heard some people translate it as education, but they just say education should be that. Um, well, it's it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, I don't think I can really disagree with what the Sheikh said. Um, Mashallah, that's the first, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's a good start. At, at the moment, let's just say. We'll get there, <laughs> but not life. at the moment. Um, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because it's never been um, part of the English language. Tarbiya is something where someone's growing, right, um, and developing. But um, I, I don't think that, um, you know, the translation of the term is that 
problematic if you want to use education even. Um, some people would even sort of go further and say, actually, I don't agree like I would with your definition of the word education. But then we get we go down a rabbit I hole I didn't that's unnecessary. I said what people think. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't fair define enough. it. Fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. But I, I think that, you know... Um, on his toast today. I know. It's, I have to be... I, is I it a coffee game? Did you put something in it? <laughs> huh? Tastes are too good. There must be something else in it. But um, I, I, I think in some ways... You know, uh, I know that you started off with it, but that's probably less important than really defining in the way that you did uh, what it's trying to achieve, what what its aims are, right? Rather than sort of saying, is that an accurate definition? Yeah, yeah. yeah I think Very we true. could. So, Tadbia, some people might not have, you know, know much about it. So, how would you define it right from the kind of linguistic and basic level? And I wouldn't even bother going that down that route because it, it's less meaningful, as uh, Uthman was quite rightly saying. Um, so if I tell you about the way we look at terbiya in Sabil, I think that would be a, a good way to make it real. Yeah. So in Sabil, <clears throat> the concept of terbiya or our terbiya model uh, revolves around what we call the Siddiqiyya model, taken from um, yani, Surah Al-Asr as the basis and inferences from that. So it uh, revolves around these seven dimensions that we have. Yeah. So in Surah Al-Asr, as we all know, Wal Asr inna linsana fi khusra illa ladina amanu wa amilu salihat wa tawassaw bil haqqi wa tawassaw bil sabr. So the seven dimensions here we have iman. Okay. Then you have righteous actions, and those two are built on ilm, on knowledge. Okay. And we're talking about shari knowledge here. Um, and then other things are included after that, but primarily Shari knowledge. Then you have uh, yani working together, okay, the unity mindset, uh, having that kind of perspective on things. Then you also have the akhlaq aspect, yeah, the, the sabr of it. You have the dawah aspect, watawasu bil haqq. And then the final one are yani bringing it together, watawasu, how are you going to work together with people comes uh, through certain kind of uh, communication skills or the soft skills that we talk about, managerial skills, etc. So all of that. So our tarbiyah model means developing a person in all of these seven areas. Okay, so our model of it is that although we appreciate and we actually know and our philosophy is that we're trying to nurture excellence in Muslims and it's such that they're empowered to make a positive contribution, the most positive contribution to humanity at large. Okay. But our specific way of doing it is by focusing on these seven elements. So you, so nurture, development, <coughs> you mentioned these kinds of, uh, so the, the, it's, these are the, these are, this is what tarbiyah means and tarbiyah for you or for, in the Sabil philosophy is nurturing and developing people along those, Seven, yeah, towards excellence. Towards excellence in those seven dimensions. Yeah. Knowledge, Iman, righteous action, uh, unity. Unity mindset. Dawah. Dawah. Yep. Akhlaq. Yep. And soft skill, managerial skills, time management. Yep, that's it. And ability to summarize and that kind of stuff. All of those, yeah. All, All of those soft skills. We don't actually list or put an exhaustive list there. I mean, I've seen on the, the poster upstairs that like each one's broken into loads of kind of sub. Yeah, if you try to break each one of these down, so, so and you could take it with Iman. Yeah, you've got 
as the Prophet did when he defined Iman, what is it? The, the six pillars of Iman. And then each one of them has <laughs> huge volumes to um, talk about all the underlying topics. But those are the f- most fundamental topics of it. So each one is like that. But what about... Can, what I, can I ask something? Yeah. Sorry. Is that when, when the, the, the participants come to Sabil, um, what, is that, what are the mindsets that they're coming with? You're talking about mindset, okay? The way that they're thinking about themselves um, as Muslims in the West. Okay, are you interrogating their positions at that point and trying to see, you know, I mean, you, you could, the argument could be is that these guys are already, all men and women, are coming to the Sibiu actually because they already have a particular mindset. Okay, otherwise they may not come. They may not see the value in it anyway, mm-hmm. right? So where, where is the value add in what you're doing in terms of where they're starting from and when they're, where, where they're ending up in Sabil? Yeah, so Sabil is not ground zero. Yeah, the, the Sabil development program is not ground zero anyway. So there is a particular type of person who comes to Sabil. So they already have that uh, Muslim identity, Islam. It doesn't have to be too much more than that. It's not an we're not trying to develop ulama, for instance. Yeah. Although some of the, the brothers and sisters may go on, may well go on to become ulama and murabbin um, in their own rights, but it's not just for them. Okay, there is that ilmi element, but they come in with a mindset of um they love Islam, they love Allah, they love his messenger. So it's pretty much any Muslim, but they want to take their deen seriously. And they want to further refine themselves in their Islamic identity and make themselves, the way we would make it easily uh, palatable and understandable for them, the best Muslims they can be. Mm. So someone comes to Sabil wanting to become the best Muslim they can possibly become. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of person we're looking to take in because you know, we're not catering for you know, the new Muslim who's just become a Muslim and needs to learn from A, for instance. That's not what we're doing. Other organizations and other you know, programs do that. So it's quite specific in its remit. Well, one thing that you did say is that, um, and sorry, I don't want to hijack your question oh, and a question you can completely ignore somebody. It's not yeah. oh my god who's going to press those buttons <laughs> um, you, you said uh, most Muslims just now I don't know if we can record it and repeat it back to Sheikh's record but you said I trust that, you I trust you at this point at this point that most people uh, love Allah and love Islam okay most Muslims do yeah okay what do you mean by that what do I mean by love Allah and love Islam? Yeah. Okay. Meaning that any, any, anyone who ascribes themselves to Islam without um, having the fundamental core or essence of Hubballah or Hubbal Rasul, they have no right to that ascription. They have no right to attribute themselves to Islam. Because without any by love. Definition. Yeah, by definition, you have to love Allah and His Messenger. Okay, that is the statement of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. It necessitates love. So someone who not only just loves Allah and his messenger, but someone who wants to take that further, 
That's the kind of person who comes to Sabil. That's the Sabil that you're talking about. Yeah. I, I'm, uh, we'll, we'll come back to Sabil. I'm just trying to think about, you might say, well, this is not the point of the discussion, in which case I'll stop. <laughs> right. But um, what I'm interested in, because I've been thinking about the, the, this, the idea of, of um, the Islamic mindset. Mm. What is that? Mm. Right. And it's not really just relevant for people in Sabil. Right. It's really relevant to the Muslim Ummah that we think with an Islamic mindset. Right. And I mean, even I don't know, I'm still thinking about it. There are no answers. But, you know, is there either an Islamic mindset or not? Right. Or is there some sort of spectrum of Islamic mindset? Right. You've got varied, various degrees of being Islamic, if that even exists. OK. And. You know, when you come across a hadith like, um, I can't remember all of it, but it's like that um, they, the, there's some people, companions, presumably approach the Prophet Sallallahu they said there's a woman who, who fasts and does give charity and she stands up for the night prayer and she harms her neighbor with her tongue, right? In the hadith, uh, the Prophet Sallallahu said, la khayra fiha, right? In, 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 in a way, from what I understand in the Arabic, that there's not an ounce of goodness in this woman. And she's in the hellfire, right? So that's always sort of intrigued me how a person ostensibly, you know, is going even beyond the obligatory acts, right? But the Prophet ﷺ effectively condemns her to the fire or says that she's in the fire. <coughs> Can we say that that woman had an Islamic mindset? Okay. Uh, it's quite interesting the example you gave because I was walking home from Maghrib. Uh, this is before Eid, yeah. I'm just trying to think. Was it in Dhul Hijjah? I think it, I think it was in the early days of Dhul Hijjah, yeah. So I was just walking home from Maghrib, and uh, brother on a bike is coming the opposite way, and then he sees me and he stops me. I don't know this guy. Never seen him in my life, as far as I know. He stops me and he says to me, "Brother, can I ask you a question?" Okay, I said, okay, go on, go ahead. So uh, then he says to me, I've got this brother of mine, he's older than me, he's 50-something, probably why he stopped me. It's probably <laughs> 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 old guy, let's ask him as well. <laughs> so he goes, my brother is about 50-something and um, he prays and he fasts and he does this stuff and he's got a beard and his beard is white and stuff like that. But he's ripping off my mum. He's taking her pension money and doing this and he just won't listen. How, uh, he, he said to me, I can't, I can't fathom this. It doesn't compute to me. How can someone who prays and fasts and does this, then go and do this? It doesn't make sense. This guy, you know, he's coming from the opposite direction. And he didn't talk about prayer or anything. He said this. And it reminds and he's straight in there, I'm thinking, yeah, deenu mu'amala. Mm. Yeah. It's akhlaq. We started off by talking about the Islamic mindset is interaction with between you and Allah and interaction with you and everyone else. And Allah has ordained certain methods for all of it. And then people are compartmentalizing this, that, and the other. So he, he goes to me, aren't you shocked by this? Aren't you surprised? He doesn't know I, I do all this work. <laughs> 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 and I just think to myself, no, this is normal, unfortunately. <laughs> People compartmentalize which part of Islam they want. And that is part of the secular mindset that has, 
and he crept into our yani, thinking and our worldview as well. Hmm. We're not kind of isolated from the rest of the world and compartmentalizing the bits of our lives has become normal to us. Whereas Allah doesn't allow us to do that. Hmm. Yeah. And the requisite the, the demand from Allah is that you submit to everything that he has given. Whether you like it, not whether you understand it or not. And that is the slave of Allah. Other than that is not truly a slave of Allah. So in the statement of the Prophet it makes perfect sense. Because how can you? This is from Allah and that's from Allah. How can you separate the two? It, it doesn't work. So, but being shocked by it, no, unfortunately, because we know about how people pick and choose what they want to do. You know, and sometimes it's, it's not completely a bad thing in the sense that it doesn't mean that the person doesn't love Allah and his messenger at all. It means that they fall and pray to certain desires that they have. So for instance, a person um, comes in and um, you see when it comes to prayer, they're a bit laxed. You know, they miss certain prayers, uh, fasting, they're a bit lax, whatever. But when it comes to the issue of riba, they'll come in and they say, no way. There's no, no way I'm touching this thing. This is so abhorrent. This is evil. I want my money to be halal. So they're very, very particular about that. Um, I, I mean, sometimes sisters come, for instance, and, uh, and he, someone who doesn't have any hijab and you think doesn't look any, anything like any type of practice. But then when it comes to the issue of nikah, very, very particular. No, marriage has to be done like this and all of those things. Hmm. So we see a lot of that, unfortunately. Yeah, because that's not our deen. Our deen is complete submission to you're, you're, you're talking about something, I, I think what you said is great. Um, but you're talking about people like all of us, presumably here, um, who uh, are, are, are not perfect, right? And despite our efforts, um, we're going to fall down. You know, and we do. And, you know, that's part of turning back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and seeking, begging for his forgiveness. Um but I suppose I want to isolate the idea of having a particular mindset, right, as a Muslim by thinking about it as a way in which we make decisions about what we do in the world. Okay. So it's not about necessarily... Isn't that what comes at the end of that? The, if you leave these imperfections to kind of fester? I wouldn't say it's at the end. Um, what um, Osman is talking about here... Yeah, um, it is part of the Tarbiya program and at the beginning, really, because if you look how Surah Al-Asr starts, yeah, the, the last verse, yeah, the part where we take our Tarbiya program and dimensions from, mm-hmm. now this dimension, the mindset, it, that worldview is Iman. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that comes at the beginning of Tarbiya because if you don't have that, the rest is not going to come. But what do, you, what do you mean by that? Because you said, when you started off the discussion, pretty much, you said that those people are coming with a particular level anyway. They have general no, no, for Allah Jalla yeah, and, I didn't say level. Uh, yani, uh, I mentioned they have... Let's make an assumption. You, you gave some sort of indication. Are dangerous. You, you, you gave some sort of indication that they're coming with some sort of minimal requirement. That's the way that I understood it. Maybe that's not... But it was more about the need, right? The hubullah wa hubur rasul. This is a given. This is obligation on any Muslim. Yeah. Then they have 
that desire to excel in the Islam, refine the Islam, right. develop in the Islam. Right. So that's the kind of person. It's not a kind of person who just wants to be the average Muslim and just do the fara'id and that's it. Hmm. It's not that one. It's the one who wants to Is that blameworthy? Excel. The way that you just said that, uh, is it blameworthy for a person to be just like that? Sometimes. Sometimes Might be He was waiting He was waiting for me To say something <laughs> No I'm interested I genuinely am I'm, I'm thinking about These sorts of things So I want to I want, so to, much, I want to hear what right, so, so much subtext In this conversation I need to turn it down <laughs> It was always going People to be like, like this like, When you get Osmania So No I'm having a conversation Sometimes <laughs> What I mean by sometimes Is that If a person Has skills and ability mm-hmm. um, Like uh, Any one of the um, anecdotal stories that I remember when I was in Egypt. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, one of the mashaykh there in Egypt, actually. Let me not mention his name. So he um, wasn't into ilm or anything, but he had a memory which was photographic. Okay. And he was an engineer. Okay. So he was in doing stuff like that. And then someone saw and noticed his memory and said to him, what are you doing? You need to be working for Islam. Look what you could do for Islam. And then he moved. And because of that kind of statement that was said to him, thinking about the ummah itself and thinking what he could potentially do, he went that way and excelled and became one of the, the prominent ones from, you know, from our contemporaries, etc. So in that sense, if someone has a skill, and the similar thing happened to a Shafi'i, rahimahullah ta'ala, yeah? So in that sense, if someone has those abilities, his particular obligations are different to someone who doesn't have those, those skills and abilities. So if you have those abilities and then you don't use them, okay, that obligation is upon you and you didn't fulfill it. But if you didn't know... But I, you're, you're talking about someone who is either, um, you know, I don't know, the, a precocious child or, you know, someone who's, um, I don't know, got a particular talent for doing something, in, you know, that's quite out of the ordinary. Are you talking about just, you know, people who, who could broadly be said to be very well qualified, okay, or... Um, yeah, I suppose let's, let's stick with that. Okay. Um, what, what sort of talent are you talking about? Can you, can you be more specific? And the point of your question, go, go back to the point of your question. What are you trying to well, like there? He's, he's good at this. <laughs> good point my, well, I suppose what I'm trying to say is that you, you, you said that, um, you know, some people could be blameworthy yeah. if they have a particular skill or talent or something. Right. And that they don't utilize that. Okay. Uh, for khair. Right. So in fact, Saad, I gave a khutbah about this today. Uh, Imran al-Qaim talks about shukr. And, and one of the aspects of shukr is to use the ni'am, the favors that Allah Jalla wa'ala gave you, um, and to, and to utilize them for a benefit. Right. Uh, for the sake of Allah Jalla wa'ala. So, um, I, I, I understand that. You know, broadly, I understand what you're saying. Um, 
and I'm not really, I suppose, very interested in that. I was, although I was just sort of following your conversation further, I suppose what I'm interested in more is that for those people who say that they're Muslims and they're devoted to God and they love the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Devoted to Allah, yeah. Sorry, devoted to Allah. What did I say? God. Okay, it happens you're speaking yeah, English. Yeah, but the two are not synonymous. Right, okay. Well, we'll stick with Allah. Exactly. <laughs> devoted to Allah. Um, Khuda. Khuda. Khuda is acceptable or not? <laughs> huh? Allah, yeah. why do we have to move away from <laughs> the proper name? It's like calling Salman something else. Yani. So wish her. Anyway, <laughs> so um, I suppose uh, what, what, I'm, what I'm trying to ask is that what is the basic... Ob- I'm, I'm still stuck on this thing about mindset, right? Because there, there are a number of uh, hadith that we know, right? Where people who have just even focused on their own ibadah to the exclusion of concerning themselves, worrying about people in their community, doing any of that, some of those people have been blameworthy, right? Like, okay, I accept it's not an authentic narration from what I've read, okay, but the the broad, um, you know, understanding the scholars say from what I've read is sound, is that, is that, uh, that qariya, that Allah Jalla wa'ala, ordered the angels to destroy and then they said that there's a, a righteous man there who glorifies you and praises your name and Allah said begin with his destruction right so I'm, I'm trying to I'm, I'm sort of hijacking your conversation about so Sabil and Tarbi a little bit trying to understand or get my own question answered here to some degree about you know starting from the basic point of what is an Islamic mindset and what does it obligate us as Muslims to do regardless of our um, qualifications, our talents or skills What is the baseline That we need to be looking at as Muslims What do we need to be thinking about What do you mean by a mindset then? What do you mean by an underlying I, I, logic? I understood it as yeah. What is that worldview that we should have Because a worldview will dictate How you look at everything you see Right The reality And right. therefore it will then dictate How you interact with those things so, is that what you mean by mindset? Yes, I mean I'm 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 not sure about the the words and whether they're synonymous or not. But yes, broadly, I think what Sheikh's saying is yes, is, is, so, is accurate. So, uh, that, so that's iman then. Yeah, that is iman because if you look at it, okay. Now, if you believe in Allah and you believe in the articles of faith, yeah. So you've got believe in His books, believe in His angels, believe in the prophets. And Yawm al-Akhirah, then you've got Yawm al-Akhir, then you've got um, Al-Qadr, etc. All of these things. The way you're going to behave is going to be refined by these things. Mm. Should be. Yeah, right. So then the only thing that makes it more refined Mm. is your deeper conviction in these things. And less refined, and you don't have that deep conviction. You have some kind of conviction, maybe something, uh, a soft conviction or whatever. And that can become deeper later. Mm. Okay, so the mindset, I would say, or the worldview, um, which is how I kind of I, t- I term it now, um, is those pillars of faith. And if you look, the Muslims are all agreed on the pillars of faith. They might disagree about some of the details of it and how they, they understand them. But those pillars of faith, are firmly accepted. So if you look at the baseline, that is it. So a person who believes in these articles of faith is a believer. And yet we go back to the earlier discussion about the woman who does all of those things and harms her neighbor or this 
chap who stopped you on the road and asked about his brother defrauding his his own parent. Yeah, does that make him a kafir? Does no, that no, make him a, we're not, a, a we're, we're not having that discussion. Yeah, so therefore... We're not having that discussion. Can, we can have that discussion. There. It's a theoretical discussion. <laughs> now, be good. Here, <laughs> yeah. here, does it negate the Islam completely? You're so introducing that's a, that. That's a fetchy discussion. No, look, <laughs> you said... Any, no, no, I'm, I'm trying to say, I'm trying to ask, right, is that... You, the base because you came back it? down to Arkan al-Islam. You came back down to the five pillars. And I'm telling you... Arkan al-Iman. Sorry? Arkan al-Iman. Arkan al-Iman. Pillars of faith, yeah. Okay. So we're, we're, there's there's some sort of, not a contradiction, but you know, I'm trying to understand how you're harmonizing between that hadith and others. Okay. I'm telling instead of, and maybe instead of more conviction, you can say that the, the more someone develops along the on a particular part of their iman, is the more cognitive conscious they are of that thing. Yes. The the uh, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, the semantics of it don't really matter. Well, but again, conviction I, I, kind of implies that they're not sure, or they they're kind of they're more certain about something being true or false rather than actually having it affect them. Yeah, maybe because a person is, who's but praying, deeply convicted. Yeah, yeah you have yeah. iman, which is very determined, mm. right? Somebody, somebody's doing like someone's scamming their own mum. Yeah, then obviously there's 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 a nux somewhere somewhere. Yeah, of course, iman. of course. But they're, that, that, they're not. They're not going to be saying, consciously. Remember, he was talking. He was talking about a baseline. Yeah. 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 So as long as a person believes, mm. they're still Muslim, and therefore. The other things they're doing are sinful acts. Mm. Yeah, if they're going against the Sharia, whatever it is, are sinful acts. And then to honey, something that is unanimously agreed upon, if you go against that and make it halal for yourself, mm. then you would leave the realm of Iman. I think, and then I, you wouldn't have yeah. the Islamic worldview at I, all. I think that's pretty, uh, pretty clear. On, I'm pretty clear on that anyway. I think, let me give you an example and ask you what you would think about this mindset. So you've got someone who's extremely well qualified. Uh, this person, you know, ha- is, is praying regularly, is fasting, is, is completing all of the obligations. Okay. But they do so from a perspective that it's, it's, it's really just about what they need to do. Right, and they, they they feel a conviction. They understand that they're sinful if they don't do this sort of stuff, right? But in their day to day world, the only thing they're really preoccupied with, right, is securing, right, their lot <coughs> in the dunya, where that could also mean, for example, that they are. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, earning lots of money, good, good on you, right? But the focus is singularly, right, on the acquisition of wealth, you know, buying properties, essentially what I see as hoarding wealth, for example, and wanting and your goal being to pass it on to your children and to make them wealthy. Okay. Because one of the, one of the contentions that I might have, right. And I'm still, again, I'm thinking about it. I'm, 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 I could be thinking wrongly and you're going to, you know, tell me that now and later. Um, is that, um, if a person, you see, even the, the 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 fundamental obligations that we have of worship, right? There is a personal dimension to that worship, but actually they're all to some extent communal. Mm. Right? So if 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 it's stopping at the individual and never transforming into the communal, right, then there's a problem there that I can see that I feel, right? 
And that's what I'm trying to, to I suppose I'm trying to drive at that and sort of say, you know, do, do those people have a mindset that you could call Islamic? Right. Or, or even even is it like, you know, that famous uh, story of uh, Abdullah Mubarak when he he's going to go to Hajj and then he he doesn't because he sees a poor woman and he, he gives her all of his provisions and he doesn't go in the Hajj. Right? Hajj is a great faridah. It's one of the, the greatest act of worship. Right. But he doesn't do it at that time for that reason. So it's like he, he wasn't sort of saying, well, you know, I, I could be free of all my sins. And, you know, why should I give it to this woman that I don't know? She's just a poor woman. She's just begging. She's eating carrion off the floor. Why should I? Right. But there seemed to be something deeply um, communal or merciful where his Islam is looking not just at his own salvation personally, but it's much wider than that. Right. And, and that's what I'm trying to drive at, that if can we say that a person has an Islamic mindset, you know, if they're really not considering communal obligations. And yani everything in the Quran tells you, no, the Akhirah is khayrun wa abqa. Yeah. Mm. Everyone knows that. Mm. OK, so in our Tarbiyah model, that has to be the first element. Mm. OK, so our any human nature, who we are, any why we're here, where we're going. That's an aqadi point right at the beginning. Mm. Okay, that is the worldview. Okay, this is, as the Prophet said, any method, any my example is only uh, as the uh, the traveler yeah, who comes, and he takes a rest underneath the shade of a tree, uh, then he leaves it. And goes on his journey and continues his journey. So without having the belief in the Akhirah mm. as that main component here. There's, there's always, there always seems to be um, a, a detachment from the practicality of life, okay, and some sort of theoretical way of talking about the faith. Right. So the theory sits up here and we will we'll always mention a hadith and we'll mention verses of the Quran in this very abstract way. But somehow... You know, we, we, we tend not to talk about it in the real world. So people are sort of saying, you know, that sounds like a very lovely thing. It's a verse of Quran and they're very reverential towards it. But what a practical implement, you know, impact it has on their life, only God knows, right? Because they can't see it. Even if you think about our parents' generation who are back home hmm. um, with their families and working in the farm, etc., working in the fields, all that kind of stuff. What was their tarbiyah? And they had... A family unit, which clearly, and you know, my family, if I talk about them, uh, they had little, yet everything went back to Allah. So just the cultural aspect of it, without the you know, the, the detailed learning, it was, yeah, Allah will provide for us. And if Allah did this, and we have to have patience because Allah has chosen for this for us, he mentioned something, he's an Ottoman historian, he mentioned mm. something amazing. He said, um, our parents, they learned Islam through osmosis. Yeah, that's what it was. So that <laughs> so osmosis doesn't happen now because you know, there's a detachment. You know, okay, what's happened now? You're detached from those elders. So that knowledge that was you know, honed and refined over centuries is not being given to you anymore. 
Rather, we have a media, uh, the, the media pumping in a new culture to us. We're detached from the seniors and uh, yani the, the past generation. There was an elder in our community and his relation, relation passed away and in Urdu. I went and spoke to him and I gave condolences. And uh, a friend of mine came up to me. Was, I didn't realize he was observing. He goes, he goes, bro, you did that really well. How did you know? And I sort of said, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, I used to I used to be taken by my parents. Yeah. Right. And then you just listen to them. And then I'm just regurgitating words that I've always heard them say. I wasn't given a manual on Janais and, you know, Ta'zi and something like that. And I'd read it and I'd know what it, it didn't happen like that. It was very natural, you know, and you just sort of sit there as kids and you'd listen and then you just repeat, you know, um, you know, all of these sorts of terms yeah. and words that you always hear, you know, may Allah forgive them and grant them paradise, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. But part of what you're saying, right, and this is something that I uh, want you to 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 tell me what your thoughts are on this uh, a lot of that was very organic right that's effectively what you're saying right and i'm wondering why or how you feel that or not just you i would say that anyone who's offering a tarbiyah model in the uk lots of these things floating around by the way sabil is one inshallah up there but uh, only one out of a number but why why are you stressing you know, a way of giving tarbiyah that actually isn't organic. Why Who's, are you doing that? Who said it's not organic? Because it's not. Why, it's, why have you come to the conclusion it's not organic? All right, let's let's say what do we what do we mean by organic? Organic, I mean in your lived experience, in your okay, in your day to day, whatever you're doing in the world, your okay, natural, that's fun, natural habitat. Natural habitat. You're basically you're taking people away. You're secluding them from society and then you're telling them things and you're, you know, creating a brother. If it's all great, um, there's no sort of argument. I mean, it's better than nothing anyway. Yeah, that, that sounded <laughs> worse than I intended. It's better than nothing. <laughs> that worse sounded than I really it. bad. <laughs> I'm going to get a lot of hate after this now. <laughs> but no, what I, what I mean is, is that from the, from what you're saying yourself, yeah. okay, it, it seems as though, you know, you're doing something different, right? Uh, or are you saying, uh, Usman, this is way beyond what we can do now. We've just got to do the best that we can. Or maybe I've given you the answer. Okay, so right. Taking them out of their norm is therefore a good thing. Okay, they need to get out of that norm. You, you can't physically you, you be with people like it used to happen in the past. You can't do it anymore. Right, so can you live with people? Can people give up their, their time or everyone move together, synchronized to a certain place and create that model. It's very difficult to do. Right. So what can we do in this context? So if you, for Sabil, for instance, when we go away on those retreats, yeah, there's certain scheduled things that are going to happen in those retreats. But a lot of the learning is not the, you know, the, the formal, yeah, the formal sessions. That's not where it's happening. A lot of the informal learning is probably greater than the formal learning. Okay. Where is that informal learning? Yani sharing rooms with people that you don't know who are just connected to you through Iman. Dealing with the differences that they have, which people don't want to do anymore. Uh, going through a rigorous yani, uh, schedule that you're not used to. Taking yourself out of those comfort zones that you have 
in your normal day-to-day life. Mm. All of that is part of it. Then sitting with uh, your murabbis, okay, and chatting about your personal life and problems and getting to know each other and making those relationships, both on a peer level and with your you know, murabbis who are senior, etc. And even the admin team who are senior to you as well. So all of that happens. And then being busy for that time with that mindset of the akhirah, being reminded of it and living that experience. And if people come and they've never prayed Qiyam al-Layl in their lives before, and now they're doing it, they're forcing themselves to do it, and they're seeing everyone does it, oh, okay, that works then. Oh, it's real. Oh, this is the lived reality then. And they can take that away. The adhkar, sitting, making sure you have that portion of Qur'an in the morning, straight after Fajr. So they see and experience that lived reality. Then talking about their personal problems and issues, and this always happens. Not only during the retreats, but the bonds that are created there continue after. Mm-hmm. Right. But look, uh, as you know, I have some experience of what you're talking about, and uh, I'm not, I'm not, uh, uh, I'm not critical of the the enterprise itself, and I'm not really. That's not my my focus. My because I, I'm not here. You're the guys talking about Sabil. I'm I'm just here for my own benefit. We're we talking about Tarbiya or Tarbiya. Sorry, Tarbiya. So that's what I'm interested. I'm interested, you know, based in the community that I am, right? Because my my desire would be to see a more authentic form of community. Like I'll give you an example. After the khutbah today, a brother approached me and he was concerned about being able to find, um, uh, you know, spouses for his children. Okay. So it's interesting. Bengali. No, no, he wasn't. Uh, yeah, very nice brother. He was talking about, you know, the values. I'm, I'm, I have to say that, no, no. Talking about, <laughs> no, no, genuinely. Um, talking about the values that he has for his family and all, all the rest of it. And I could completely understand his dilemma when he's saying, well, you know, how do we fi- find spouses, right? Because there's no more interaction in that way, mm. right? You don't even know that. So you're you're walking around having to go to a matrimonial service and rely on, an algorithm to basically find a, a suitable spouse. But again, as I was speaking to the brother, and I think we were on the same page here, there seems to be something that's changed fundamentally within our communities, right? Where terbiya, if that's what we're talking about, you know, um, in the way that children grow up, we were talking about this even before, I think we started the podcast. Lots of things have changed, right? And someone who is involved in community, I'm wondering... Um, how to reclaim that, right? And I, and I, I believe that it, it's sort of reclaimable, redeemable, mm. rectifiable, islah is the word that you used, right? Um, and and I just wonder why we sort of say, well, that's not something that we can do anymore and it's impractical and we need to... No, I didn't mean it to that level. I said no, I'm not saying that you did. Completely. No. I'm, just, I'm just being provocative. <laughs> you? No, no, not me. <laughs> you saying it doesn't exist. I would fundamentally disagree with that, right? So, what it does, does sorry? Yeah, I mean, that community, that sense of community, and people who are still, still doing things that way that you suggested. So, that would be interesting. Out. Sorry, by the way, that would be just to cut. I'm really sorry, right? Because I think it's interesting. I was speaking to a brother from uh, Wine Chapel Masjid who's involved with the youth activities, and he was saying to me, this was about conversation six, seven months ago, that um, even in the sort of the apartments, he said, you know, our doors are almost open and people come in, in and out like we were in Bangladesh, right? That doesn't happen in Southwest London. 
one. There is a cultural yeah. difference. I mean, here, I'm assuming, I don't know, maybe we can ask the brothers who live here, um, you know, uh, I, I think, relatively speaking, young people who are still sort of even early to late teens will still be able to speak in the, the tongue of their even grandparents, not just parents, yeah. right? In Southwest London, you know, majal here, you know, that anyone speaks in the Urdu language from a Pakistani community, this doesn't happen, right? Mm. So you, you even talked about this before, you were talking yeah, about language, language and yeah. culture and community and all these sorts of things, right? Architecture is also a big part of it. It's much easier on a, on a like a, in, in, a, in an apartment block. Oh, but yes, I'm sure that it is. Of course, it's much easier. Right, scattered around. Absolutely. But that, that kind of mixing, you know, you talked about fragmentation of uh, society, community. Um, the core of that is fragmentation of the family and the whole concept of family. You know, that's dwindling. And part of the role of our tarbiyah is also to um, yani, revive the Islamic concept of family. It's not you and your spouse and your kids. That's not family. Mm -hmm. The grandparents on both sides, mm -hmm. uh, your, yani, your brothers and sisters, both sides, yani, those you know, who come from them, those children, etc. your cousins and, and that mm -hmm. big clan, reviving that idea and uh, the, the concept of real Salat rahim includes all of these people, mm -hmm. including the in-laws, etc. All of those Reviving that concept it has to be part of the tarbiyah. This mm. is from the akhlaq. Mm. Mm. Now, I would say it does exist more so um, in from my experience here, I'm not trying to knock any part of London <laughs> yeah, before we get into it's that. Fine. Yeah. It's fine. But in south the, of the river. East, <laughs> east, east London, for instance, where we have those bonds which are mm. tighter, mm. Um, there is still a lot of that. And even if you go to the other parts, if you're part of a system where the younger connected to those who are much senior, yeah, and we've and we joked about this uh, when I was last in Croydon, actually, mm -hmm. yeah, our, our white beards now, etc. Mm -hmm. So we are those uncles and aunties now. Allah, okay, we've, we've become those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So now that's our role. You are uncles and aunties. <laughs> Everyone else understood something. <laughs> if you didn't, well, it's, it's your problem. It's, it's the 21st century. Salman was feeling left out. So, yeah. He was feeling left out. He just wanted <laughs> to get to the conversation. Yeah. So our, our wives, for instance, are the aunties now. Yeah. So people are looking for us to fill that gap. And that's the thing. When, when you are part of the tarbiyah system, there's a clear, right, these are our seniors. These are the ones we're meant to go to and ask if we don't have anyone else, these are the ones we're meant to go to. And we're meant to go to our family because that's what we've learned. Right. You go to your family, you speak about these things and you have outside uncle, this uncle, that it's just a change of term. Murabbi. Mm. Right. That's what in the Bengali community, they have that. Mm -hmm. The seniors are called Murabbis. Okay. But it's, okay. it's kind of proportional to the, I guess, social mobility as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're, 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 I'm, I'm definitely going to raise this point somewhere. Might as well be now because you've raised it. Neoliberalism, like you're always writing about, mashallah. Well, I'm not always writing about it, but, yeah. but sort of, yeah, definitely. I think economics, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think economics plays a massive role in this. Yeah. And, you know, that's what I, I, I'm, I'm wondering how this works, right? Because you can talk about it until the cows come home. And what you're saying, I completely agree with. There's no, there's, well, I don't disagree with any of that. The, the problem is, that standing at the minbar 
and talking about these sorts of things, as I'm sure you do, a lot of people do. And you. And me. And me. And your Fridays. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how much currency it has given the um, uh, wider economic concerns, right, which are really driving people to think very differently um, about their about themselves isn't i mean look you, you know, can you can you can you can stem the 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 flow no i don't think it's about that either any remember to a complex problem islam doesn't bring a simple solution say sure. oh here's one thing sure it's part of the package right and the member has to be there it has its role no no i'm not, I'm not saying it shouldn't be <laughs> and then you have all of those other parts that mm. have to work together. So if you don't have all of the parts in place, you're not going to get the solution. You can get part of the solution, but you're never going to have it all until you have all of the, the facets, all of the p- parts of the puzzle. And you can still do implement lots of things. And you have to. You have no choice. Yani Allah I mean, has I put upon one, you. One do what you can. brother in my area is like a distant relative. He, when he got COVID, he was in a coma for like, Several months, <laughs> and he's he's really well connected with Tabliki Jamaat kind of crew, right. uh, and they have their own kind of network. Of yeah, they, their so model is a clear terbiya model. Yeah, and as soon as he was in hospital, his wife was taking care of his kids. There was no day that their fridge wasn't filled up with food. People were bringing and you know doing shopping for them and dropping kids off at school. And he woke up like six months later and. You know, everyone had been taken care of, alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. They had that, even though they're not related like, biologically, but they have that sense of uh, kind of community. So it is possible to to reinvent. Yeah, and, and I'm going to say something which is really quite contentious, you know, no surprise. Um, <laughs> but before you say that, go on. this feeling and this yeah. action reality, yeah. um, you'll find it uh, common for anyone who's in the Tarbiya model. So whether Sabil, whether yani, see, that's, that's, what, that's what I'm going to, that's what I'm going to come. Fine, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with that. I think that that's true, but I think that you're underplaying um, uh, what I believe to be um, is a significant issue, and I haven't really formulated my thought well enough to articulate it. But all I'll say is this, right? That it seemed there seems to be a trend that a wealthier a community becomes. Right, the more fragmented. I mean, the, the hadith of the Prophet you know, uh, I don't fear poverty for you. Yeah, I fear, yeah, I, I, I fear that the wealth of this world will be placed before you as it was for those for those before you, and it will destroy you as it destroyed them. So, what, what I can see is, I mean, Southwest London, arguably, probably one of the wealthiest, you know, parts of London. Um, and the, the, this sort of like this sort of slow erosion mm. of culture, language, culture, community that I can see happening that I'm not seeing so as much over here in the east of London, right? And you're talking about, you know, various jamaats and various people. Is Is it a surprise or is it, sorry, not a surprise. Is there some sort of correlation between the fact that, you know, you're finding that um, you're finding society sort of 
mildly breaking apart where there is more wealth. And is that in line with the hadith of the Prophet Is that what he was speaking about? Does your preoccupation become about you know, wealth itself and that you don't really see much else past I think that? that's very clear. Yani, uh, in Surah Yunus, for instance, when Allah says, very clear. You see, these people, they live for the dunya. They don't hope in meeting Allah. And so that pillar of faith, belief in the hereafter, it might be there on their tongues. Okay. It's just like a fact you roll off, but it's lost its connection with the reality of the heart. So it's become very weak, that connection. So when we were talking about conviction in it, and this is what happens whenever we commit any sin, it takes away from our connection and our deep-rooted conviction mm. in these articles of faith. So money does this to you, right? So when Allah describes these people, what did they do? They become content and happy with the life of this world, the luxuries, the comforts. And really, something yani, we always speak about is, yeah, as the hadith that you were mentioning, right? This is what's going to destroy us as an ummah. Mm. This will break and demolish and completely obliterate the connections you have with people because you become self-centered. How do you not be broke then? And still be a good Muslim. This is the whole point. Now, the Prophet none of this is rocket science. You know, the Prophet gave it to us, even you don't even have to think about it. He gave it to us on a plate. This is this is the any laughable thing. You know, we have it all in front of us. But any all the other things in life we we take seriously and we really put effort in and money into learning and upskilling and the rest of it. But when it comes to our deen. Going back to that point, Yanni, is that person blameworthy? Well, if if they're not stopping themselves from the sins and that downward spiral by doing this, and you can't stay stagnant, right. you're either going up or you're going down. Yeah. Because Iman works like that. Yeah. If they're not doing that, and yeah, ibadah is part of it, akhlaq is part of it, seeking knowledge and developing yourself, that's part of it. If you're not doing that, you're going down. Yeah, but I think this is this is my this is where I'm trying to. I'm contending with not with what you're saying now, but the idea that that somehow a Tarbiya program, you know, that's almost agnostic to everything else like economics. Like take for example a younger generation. Let me give you an example, right? Uh, when I started working many years ago, now, right, I was able to afford renting a three-bedroom house, not comfortably, but it was I could afford it, right. I mean, people who are graduating now cannot afford to leave their parents' homes. So not where we are. There's no way they can do it. Forget about buying a house. They can't even rent a place. They can't even rent a studio flat without completely, you know, getting rid of most of their income, right? So when, when you're saying that, right, it's, it's, it's as though, you know, some of these very, very real concerns that the Muslim community has, right, which puts pressure on them because I do talk to younger people and they are, it's not that they're obsessed with wealth necessarily, but the economic situation is, you know, really just making them focus. How can we get out of this? Because the idea, especially, uh, you know, from not broad experience, from the sort of anecdotal experience I have is that, 
you know, um, even when men and women are getting married now, right? Women, you know, of a, of a different generation to us, you know, are sort of saying, well, we, we don't necessarily want to stay with in-laws. I'm not saying that's a wrong thing, right? But they don't want to. Okay, but they can't afford to move out. How, how does this work, right? So when, when these pressures are there, it's not, I'm not saying that these people have just, you know, forgotten about God. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying there's a pressure, right? So saying that we're going to send you on a so tarbiyah program a tarbiyah tarbiyah doesn't, doesn't alleviate the pressure. It would though, if you, I mean, it, it wouldn't automatically, but it's a necessary prerequisite to have people with their heads screwed on and have some kind of cohort of, tar- of, of tarbiyah happening, have some kind of someone who they look up to, who they can go to and, and the network they can... Yeah, yeah, yeah but you're talking before, about something. You're talking before about you something go into that one, because, yeah, because me, one of the reasons why you can't afford rent now is because... Our parents' generation, the aunties, the uncles, are probably landlords. Land even, even if you can't afford, <laughs> yeah, even if you can't afford to move out. Yeah, yeah. I'm probably going to get a lot of scorn over this thing. I don't want another generation scorning me. Even if actually. you can't rent, even if you can't rent, right? You can't. Physically, you don't have the the ability to earn more money. Okay, yeah. that should not change your worldview, and that's not the be all and end all. Living. Outside of your parents' hold is is not the be all and end all of life. That's just something in life. Yeah, that could be. The family has to stay together, right? There are constraints on you, just like there's constraints on you in every other direction, hmm. right? To have the right mindset about these things, because when people are in these predicaments, and this is going back to the Sabil Tarbiya model, what we say, yeah, the way we kind of summarize it is, we want the people to come out of the tarbiyah model being able to think right, act right, no matter what. Now you think about that. If that's the model here, right, our perspective, our worldview on life is to always think in the right way, the way Allah wants us to think, whatever the situation is, then behave in the right way because of all of our priorities are in the right place, our obligations first, the recommendations second, etc. And then, no matter what the circumstances are, right? So, yeah, there will, there will always be these pressures. And you know what? The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam did not fear for us, as you quoted the hadith, yeah? Faqr. This is part of faqr. We're yeah. feeling it. Everyone's feeling it now, yeah? Because the, the state of... He didn't want to see us in Fakr. He said, I don't fear no, it for you. I don't fear it. Right. <laughs> You're going to be in it. Yeah. Okay. The Prophet as Ibn Qayyim mentions as well, yeah, uh, that dua, um, oh Allah, make the uh, provision of Al Muhammad mm. in the family of Muhammad, mm. just enough to suffice them. Right. That doesn't, that means they don't have luxuries. And you know what? You look at the reality, yeah, these first world problems that are destroying people inside out. Yeah, mentally, psychologically, everything. And you think, wow, man, I don't have any of that because I don't have that kind of wealth. Alhamdulillah. And so many times the problems I deal with, situations, I think, how can you have these problems? You've got everything you need. One thing I noticed as well, and I've heard the Mashaykh mention this as well, that you can act, sometimes you can tell a person uh, from a person even if it's a, like a maybe well-known scholar or so sheikh or something, you know, we, we interact with loads of them, whether it's on the podcast or just working with them in the community or whatever, doing some event, you can kind of tell who received tarbiyah 
as part of a group and who was a kind of on the road kind of the lone uh, person who went off and flew away to another country and spent time L- <coughs> Lone Ranger <laughs> and who can kind of I don't know maybe I'm reading it too but the person who who you know like little things like okay there's a there's a lecture and the PowerPoint's not working you know some people just have a meltdown <laughs> some people just get on with it you know or you know that the, the, the someone invited you and that the hotel rooms you know one star or something and some be like oh I, I at least expect you know everyone water bottles or whatever <laughs> kind of I knew you was gonna say that, that. <laughs> I think that tarbia the, going I'm think sometimes I see like grown uh, old, old older than me and I'm thinking man this guy should have got to Sabil man. <laughs> So look, you see, the, the, so I'm. Um, so you what, see, what, he's probably to be more than no, me. No, it's fine. Right? I think no, it's a great. I'm thing. always probably. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, yeah, please. But uh, the, the, what I want to um, ask you is that you know, Sabil aside, right? Sabil aside. From How can it, I put Sabil aside, Yaki? It's, uh, it's in in my heart, Yaki. I can't put I'm, it aside. I'm, I'm asking you to give some 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 hikmah and some guidance for people who are like us, who are just working in the community, right? Um, because that's, you know, we can't wait for, you know, until people are in their 20s or whatever it is, wherever you take the, your first cohort, Sabil, right, to tell them those things, yeah. right? I'm interested in, uh, and the mindset that you talked about, right, which I agree with you. I agree with everything that you said, right, about how people Can, can someone please write that down? He agrees with everything I said. We've I need to use this. Everything, everything I need to use this later. in the last five minutes. <laughs> okay. Everything said last five minutes. Let me caveat that. That's a general caveat, right? Okay. <laughs> last five minutes, um, unless I say otherwise. Um, so what, I, what, I, what I, I suppose what I want to know is how do we work within our communities to build the very sense of what you're saying more profoundly with the challenges that we have, right? Because that's where the, you I've know, why are we words. waiting I've for the... three words for that. All right. Yeah. Essentially, how do we recreate this tarbiyah? How do we effectively give tarbiyah to those around us in, in our care? Yeah. Controlled, manufactured hardship. Okay. But it's, it can't be just the hardship. Expand. There has to be the guidance <laughs> to, uh, with the hardship. Yeah? People need to... People need to experience stress, hardship, um, difficulty in a in a safe, controlled environment with safe, controlled doses. If they don't, then they will. I forgot what they call it. The thing it that that thing as well, right? The safe, controlled environment. If you look at the Sahaba, they didn't have that. Mm. They, and when Allah says, "Wamin al nasi min ala harf." That Allah didn't give them any safety nets. This is make or break. Your iman now. You either build yourself or you can't go and do that do that for someone. This is this is what we do, yeah? We we construct it and manufacture it and give them bits and doses, whatever. You know, Allah chooses what he's gonna do with you. In real life, Allah chooses what he's going to do. So, you know, when you get through any trial and tribulation, problem, whatever it is, really, you need to really thank Allah. Mm. Because that was the making of you. Mm. You know, when we look back at our lives now, and we look at those moments, 
Mm. Those were the making making of us. Those moments. It wasn't the luxuries and the relaxing and the joy. And, no, it was those moments that we nearly broke. And then Allah kept us right there. And we were right on the edge. That, that's make or break. Now, at those moments, we need to catch uh, the any, anyone in our community. We need to be, uh, be aware. We need to have those relationships. When people are going through those moments, we need to be there for them. And in Sabil, what we're doing is we're giving them a go-to. But it doesn't stop there. Like I, For me, you know, I'm an imam of the community, various massages like yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you walk out your door, that's what you are. You've got a bullseye on your... Yeah, anyone <laughs> just stops you in the middle of the road and asks you whatever because they know this is one of the imams, etc. I'm going through this. Even last night, <laughs> I went outside... Uh, uh, my my wife was insistent last night. She wanted some, uh, what's it called? Uh, some naan, yeah, from the lo- local shop made, yeah. Um, wow, look at that. So I don't w- have that. <laughs> <laughs> so I walked out. It's just like across the road kind of thing. In Southwest London, they have to deliver you and naan. <laughs> don't need any of that. Four or five are probably. Alhamdulillah, <laughs> I'm blessed. They just walk out the, the house and it's across the road. So I went there and as I'm waiting for it to be made and given to me, a brother going past in his car spots me, pulls up, gets out and says, right, I was really happy I saw you. I need to speak to you about this. The guy's here. The guy's da, 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 like, here's your fresh naan. You're like... <laughs> yeah, he gets <laughs> 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 my naan. <laughs> Can you butter it now while I'm waiting? <laughs> exactly. So anyway, yani, that being available, this is a ni'ma, yakhi, to be a, yani, there in pe- the time of people's need this is such a blessing, such a blessing, right? We would love that for us. If we're there for other people, then maybe Allah will be there for us when we need it. And that philosophy, how do you get that? Yani a tarbiyah program, whether it's this one or that one or the other, a tarbiyah program makes you live that reality because you saw it, you saw it role modeled. You, you were part of that process. So then you become the next part of that process. So what do you so sort of moving out onto Sabil? What do you what do you hope to what do you hope that these people will do? So when they're either Think part right. of Sabil, they're graduating. I'm he wasn't about, listening, was he? No, no, I, I am, but I just want you to be spell it out in in actions oh, because I had the because when. <laughs> <laughs> because, because, uh, what do you just about it? And actually, because you know, sometimes when when you're talking in this sort of very uh, you know high level way. Right, it sounds very nice, but what does it mean? What do you expect from your uh, your cohorts of Sabil or your graduates of Sabil? What do you expect them to be doing in their communities? Because effectively, you're hoping that that tarbiyah then becomes widespread in the communities that they live in. That's a good question. The graduates in Sabil are not meant to be of any one particular type. The commonality that we want for all of them is to excel with all the abilities that they've been given in uh, along with the seven dimensions that we've talked about, the Iman side, the righteous actions, so they're busy in all of that. They have uh, the paradigm of Islam when it comes to the framework of knowledge, etc. And they have some of the details that they need for their life and the, the work that they're involved in. They have the akhlaq that shines through for their communities. Uh, they have that sabr, they have that zeal to make an impact on society for Allah. 
Okay. These are the fundamentals of it. And they want to work with others to, to yani, make that um, impact for humanity, for the sake of Allah, the biggest it can possibly be. Yeah. And then they have those other skills to actually facilitate all of that, all the soft skills we, that we talked about. And then because of that, they go out there with whatever skills they have in whatever field they're in, and they make things happen. They make things happen on the ground for those people that they're involved in, their communities, uh, their families, yeah, and extending out as much as their any sphere of it. So, so I suppose, yeah, I mean, just to be, I may be clearer. This maybe this is what you're saying, but. The, the absence of what we're finding currently in the communities, right, in terms of that togetherness or that tarbiya that we're experiencing, right? And you're right, you, you get to an uncle stage now where young people either say something or do something that sort of really ticks you off and you think, God, how rude and how, whatever. So, I mean, anyway, I don't want to get into that necessarily. But what I'm, what I'm asking you is, is there an expectation that, okay, these guys should go back and think about how to develop that tarbiyah within their own communities and how to build more authentic communities where they are. Because when you're saying about doing illustrious things, you know, you can make a podcast, you can do all of these sorts of things, right? You could do some sort of whizzy thing on the computer, right? But when it comes to human interaction, getting people together and joining the hearts, right? Mu'allafatul qulub, right? That is at the, the basis. We've, t- we've discussed this in our in this in this chat that we've had, this lovely chat, right? We've, we've talked about that. There's an absence of that. So you can be fundamentally involved in lots of work and doing great things, but that could be not contributing to bringing that sense of community together where you're entrenching and building values once more. See, that... I believe they pick up by osmosis anyway, and they they get it drummed into them as well, okay, in the formal sessions, but they see it. You know, just coming together, taking a break from your normal day-to-day rat race and then coming together because you want something for Allah. Mm. And then all of the interactions that they're forced to have, yeah, in that controlled environment, which then expands outside of that, and yes, there's WhatsApp groups and Telegram and whatever, but there's real social events that have to happen, that continue to happen. And then that following up and monitoring and interaction uh, with the murabbi and then finding out about people's families and then the families getting in touch with us and then us knowing all of their family, etc. and things like that. But it, it's that even, becomes it, automatic. even within the Sibir program, do you have a wider appreciation of the issues that we're discussing here because they're fundamental, right? They're fundamental to our makeup of a Muslim community, developing the Islamic mindset, yeah, yeah. developing that sense of Iman amongst the community, sharing our values, right? Um, is that sort of stuff discussed broadly within the Sibyl program? It's not only discussed, it's lived, isn't it? Because, right, you have a discussion, for instance, on... Uh, the relationships that you should have with your parents and your siblings and right. your community members, right. your seniors in the community, etc. Right. And then you find out, hang on, this person's got issues here because they have uh, a certain kind of uh, questionnaire survey type thing that they're doing. And then that they, they repeat it on a yearly basis to make sure they're moving forward and the coaching sessions that they have to actually address some particular issues without it being open to anyone else. 
So for uh, Morabi is doing that with fine, someone else. But you're, you're, let's just say in my community, uh, and I know a number of young people in my community have attended the Sabil programs, right? Uh, who's reached out to me and within my community, right? Because we have a connection anyway. They right? told them not to. Right, they told them not to. <laughs> right, right. That's why I was thinking to myself, there's some reason that no one's... <laughs> that, that, that explains it so much. I don't know if I should ask the question now. <laughs> <laughs> but well, are you are you okay well, leave me aside are you connecting with community sort of heads leaders whatever and saying these are our guys who come from spirit how do we continue that terbia process and authentically engage them in communities are you having that discussion with uh, mustard leaders heads community leaders that sort of stuff are you doing that you know we don't have to because remember when we're not the ones who are going to make that happen in the communities they are through the program and that whole terbiya system, they feel that responsibility, and all of them get out there and do what they can. It's and we don't expect to help network. With yeah, we do that in terms of the whole network. So you have uh, brothers who have graduated many years ago, etc., and everyone gets connected. Then, mm. so it's a, a a network of people who actually know and have mixed with each other and still mix with each other. And then these guys are going to go and they feel that responsibility, right? I want to do this. I want to get involved. Like many times I have this, right? How do I get involved in this institution, this organization, this masjid, whatever it is, right? Work like this. I know this person, go and meet him, have a conversation, da, da, da. take it from there. That's happening all over the place. But, you know, to centralize it all, it's not a good thing. It's decentralized, they have that responsibility. They reach out to us when they want certain things and we kind of keep that conversation going all the time and they feel that responsibility so they're self-motivated to do those things. You know, um, before we wrap up, I wanted to just, um, you know, a few years ago I did like a poll on our social media. Um, how many people have someone they can, that someone who's monitoring their Islamic development, Right. Uh, just broadly, something where we should generate that. And uh, unsurprisingly, like the vast majority said, no, no one's, it's just, you know, maybe I was at uni and I did some circles here and there and then just pushed out into the, <laughs> the world, um, local mosque here and there. But it's very rare for people to have, to say someone is my murabbi. They might have a person they like to watch online a lot or mm. the local uh, imam or something, but not someone who's, wary of their situation and kind of, you know, giving them maybe some some advice and a trajectory and saying, you know, are you on track and that kind of stuff, even amongst kind of peer groups. And um, I can't help but kind of uh, see this in light of the explosion of Islamic talking <laughs> online. Yeah, there's lots of... <laughs> Islamic talking, I like that. Islamic yeah. talking. Like lots of Islamic sounding stuff. Yeah, and in, from one aspect, aspect is good, you know, more Muslim-looking like people online and YouTube and Facebook and whatnot and Twitter and Islamic-sounding things and the symbols of Islam kind of, you know, spread. But there's, it seems like there's a crisis of tarbiyah out there. Do you agree? Especially considering how how much Islam is spoken about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it's that that whole thing the social media and everything that's available out there because of the internet. People are speaking about Islam 
And then there's the whole thing about whether they have the credentials to be speaking on any, uh, such a public platform. And it's so public, millions of people can access what you're saying, which can be so detrimental when you um, <laughs> say something that's absurd or wrong or whatever. Uh, that, uh, you know, that's the sign of the times. Now, in our history, it's never been like that. You know, you had a go-to person or people, you knew who the authorities were in Islam and everything else. And those are the ones you went to. And there wasn't a crisis of authority. Uh, and things were very, very clear and structured. And Islam is like that. The framework is so solid. It doesn't change. And it's so stable. It's so balanced. It's, yani, the experience over 1400 years and the yani, institutions that Islam has, they are so solid. And then people are now breaking away from that. That's our tradition. If you lose that, you've lost Islam. You really have. So that, yani, on top of the fact that, you know, a person, when, when you speak, like now on a podcast, yeah, and someone's listening, okay, they take certain ideas. But what about all of those akhlaq that go along with those ideas and all of the other stuff that comes across when you're actually with a person and you see how they live? Our mashaykh, we lived with them. We, we stayed with them. We traveled with them. Those opportunities are lost. And sometimes it's not the formal dars that's the greatest thing. It's the ibadah side that you were with your sheikh and mm. you witnessed and you were with them and doing that. Even the knowledge. It's not, actually, the knowledge is just Even the knowledge, you means. understand so much more yeah. than the way someone explains something. Yeah. You know, just the, 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 the tone of their voice. If you look, the whole system, our Islamic system is not, you pick up a book and you read it and you understand it and mashallah, you're a scholar of that. No, it's never been like that. You take it upon from the scholars before you. That's our tradition. That's tarbiyah. Because you're not learning the ideas. You're living the reality through those people. You have the living role models. That's what it's meant to be. You know, if, if you're not, the scholars told you, if the scholar you're learning from doesn't live the reality that he's preaching, <laughs> go somewhere else. Okay. That's our tradition. That's tarbiyah. We're losing that because of you know, these platforms and uh, this kind of Islamic talking, as you call it. Yeah? We're, we're losing it because a speaker doesn't know who he's speaking to his audience. There's not that care and concern and intention after. It's just you walk in, do your little speech and walk away. Yeah, I think that there's also um, uh, one, of, one of the things that sort of, you know, increasingly makes me concerned is one of the things that you learn when you go is this a hierarchy as well? Because it's not about knowledge; it's just about knowledge, mm. right? Um, it's it's about also knowing your place, yeah, in the hierarchy, right? And when we go, we'd go to East London, we travel to Reading, we travel to various places regularly, weekly to study with Mashaikh. Just being there in the company of of learned people, right? Um, you know, you would benefit from people. So you'd have a sheikh and you have people who were, you know, very learned and then a bit less learned than someone like me at the bottom, right? And, you know, you'd see that the people who are more learned than you had, they would respect, 100%. right, the the person of knowledge, the way that they'd phrase their questions. 
the way that they would, um, you know, it, it, you could tell that there was deference to an authority. That's the word you've been using. And the trouble that I have at the moment is that I find in a younger generation, it's really not their fault, right? Is that because of this sort of, you know, knowledge, you know, is just the only end, right? You can attach yourself to whoever you want to on the internet. But those skills or that sort of practical way of experiencing um, how to live with knowledge, as you're saying, yeah, I think it's, I think it's lost. And I find broadly, again, anecdotally, younger people less willing to listen to, to those who have more experience, more insight, you know, more knowledge about the faith anyway. And they're sort of more sure about their own position in their late teens, early 20s, when I think you're still very young, <laughs> you know. And I, I think that that's contributed to that, that lack of deference you know, not being with Ahlul Ilm and not being with other people who are also studying and can pass on the tradition as well. So I think, yeah, that, that is a problem. Um, Those interactions, learning how to interact, that's definitely yeah. been lost. How can, you, how can you learn to interact when you're behind a screen? Right. Whereas here, in all of these Tadbir models, yeah. you're forced to live interactions. Yeah, I mean, uh, love to carry on. Kind of lost track of time. Need to uh, wrap up now, unfortunately. But um, before we wrap up, can you just tell people how they can uh, sign up to the next? Uh, you know, we've been <laughs> kind of uh, like an old fogey saying, "Back in my day, you know, now kids these days." And now we've got an opportunity to undo some of that damage, that crisis of tarbiya, and uh, enroll uh, into a, a, a type of tarbiya program. Alhamdulillah, Sabil, um, always you know, recommending people about. We'll put the link on the screen and stuff, but if you want to just let people know what the, the dates and stuff are that they need to... Yeah, at the moment, yeah, first let me advocate Sabil and let me, let me make something a bit more comprehensive as well. Uh, so Sabil, um, we've got a new cohort starting uh, in September uh, with, I think, the induction is probably in August sometime, yeah. late August. Uh, so just go onto the website, um, just search Sabil Development Program and you'll you'll find it. Um, and then it's the new cohort is uh, the SDP9. Um, so definitely go to do that because it's a structured program which has all the things that we were talking about in it and more. Uh, you know, we haven't gone into the details. So you can see all the details there. But at the very least, even if you want to sign up to Sabil, make sure that you are on a or yani any uh, Islamic tarbiya program. No matter how old or young you are, you need that. Because right now we're being pumped with anti-Islam 24-7. If we don't get pumped with Islam, we're just going to fall prey to anti-Islam. It's happening to us whether we realize it or not. So the main message is, Islamic tarbiyah is crucial to our lives. Not our lives here, our real lives, our eternal lives in the hereafter. So if you're not part of a tarbiyah program, but you have seniors above you and there's a structure and there's a clear way of moving forward in progression in your Islam, then what you're actually doing is going backwards. So that's the, the key message I would like people to take away. And that's for brothers and sisters, right? Yep, brothers and sisters, because how can separate, we leave our sisters? Separate, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <nee. laughs>
separate and we have like, family wow, ones as well. Really, really uh, progressive. One. I don't know why you hesitated there for a moment. <laughs> it was like, I was shocked. How can you think that it's not <laughs> for sisters? <laughs> it has to be for sisters. All right, so have, check out, I think it's sabil.com forward slash XL I think yeah, even your your daughters should be able to sign up as well inshallah the, the new cohort for brothers and sisters is uh, coming up in August inshallah. inductions and things are in August and the actual retreats in September October oh, in November yes, there's one in November I think that's the brothers one I think the sisters one is earlier I can't remember now. okay and Usman Baid Zaklahaf coming I was telling Mahmoud that we need to get Usman down generally anyway just for his own uh, a chat with him, you know, lots of stuff to discuss with you. Sorry. Maybe bring on Asad uh, Kashif as well. Yeah. And Zakma Khair for coming. And you at home for watching. If you like this podcast, give a like and share. Remember to get involved in the comments and check out sabil.org uh, forward slash Excel. I'm going to be really impressed myself if that turns out to be the right <laughs> URL. But uh, thanks for watching. And until next time, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.